Well, I'm just going to continue again this morning. Uh, who's enjoying this whole theme of sort of sonship and what it means and understanding more of what it means to who we are in Him? Uh, because it's, it's not just, you know, it's not, I guess, on one aspect. God just wants more than we can define what doctrine is. He wants the appropriation of doctrine in us. He doesn't just say things and, and put things in His Word that we can intellectually know it and go, wow, that makes me feel good, that makes me feel knowledgeable, but He wants that knowledge to be appropriated in our lives that we become this living knowledge, that this living knowledge is in us and flows through us, which means we are then becoming a living resource for others. We're becoming living water. We restore dry ground. Wherever the church goes, it brings life because there is life on the inside of us. Jesus said, if you are thirsty, come to me and drink. And from your inner place will flow rivers of what he calls living water, which is him. Living water is just more of him. It's the release of his presence. It's the release of his spirit. It's the release of truth. You become, the Bible says, the truth will set you free. You know, so often we can just look at that and think that's a nice statement and we plaque it on the wall and we look at it every day and we say, thank you, the truth is setting me free. And then we walk straight into bondage. But the Bible says the truth will set you free. You see, the truth will set you free is to be a living reality. And so if I'm struggling with X, Y, Z, whatever that is over time, I'm no longer struggling. I'm in freedom. And so he sets us free from this place called hell, Hades, as we accept him. But then it's becoming, walking into a life of freedom. It's present text, which means that you're free and you're becoming free. And that's awesome. And I don't know about anyone else, but in the last two and a half years, I've come into a greater sense of God's freedom. And it's come at the letting go of self. And that's what I want to talk about today. As I've let go of me, and grab hold of more of him, freedom. You see, I said this last week, you had to leave something, you have to come into something. If you let go of self and don't come into him, do you know what happens? You turn back and you grab hold of self. And so you must let go of self and grab hold of him. And where do you find him? Well, firstly, in his living word. And the truth will set you free. And that's just one of the ways. He communes directly through his Holy Spirit to us. You know, once again, the church of Jesus Christ, hear what I'm about to say, okay, we should be able to, in theory, put the book down and still have a living relationship with God because he's spirit. And commune with me, Holy Spirit. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. It's how the early church lived. They wrote the book, didn't they? The New Testament. Now, they had the Old Testament scriptures, which Jesus preached out of and, and Isaiah and all that stuff. But can we have a living relationship without a book? Can you hear what I'm saying? I love the book. I don't want to be without the book. But he's spirit the spirit. This thing's about a spiritual transformation, a spiritual renewal. This is just the carcass that I'm living in for hopefully about 85, 90, 100 years. But the real Greg Simner is born in the image of God. I'm a spirit. That's why when I saw my dad in his coffin, I knew Alan Simner had gone. I'm looking at his physical carcass, but he gone. That's so freeing for a short time. Paul says things like for momentary affliction, for the life that I'm living towards. Freedom, but freedom comes at the letting go of self. And I want to look at what that looked like. And so just to sort of give you a bit of a recap, I said 
a couple of things uh, last week because the question I said was out of Romans 8 where we're looking at how do we put the deeds of the body to death by the spirit so we live and are led by the spirit as sons put it another way how do we live by the spirit of God um, and not our flesh and so I said that that we must be on a pursuit um, of an increase of him in us and so the greater the revelation of Christ in me the greater the freedom I'll walk in the greater truth I'll walk in. The Bible says that the church, which is you and I, not a building, you and I are built on the revelation of the Christ, which means the revelation of the Christ you currently hold today will determine how he's building you, determine the priorities, it'll determine your focuses, it'll determine your ability to let go of you. See, the more we need more of him in us for me to let go of me because I can't let go of me. I'm wired to live. I'm wired to live for me. I've been afflicted with this thing called iniquity that wants to be in control, wants to be selfish, but I'm supposed to be selfless. And so for me to let go of me, to me to live for him in the spirit, I need more of him in me. And it's that power that enables me to live for him. The second thing I said was we need a living reality of the eternal purpose. I'm not, this isn't just a, a beautiful thing. Oh, I'm living for eternity. No, no, no. A living reality is the revelation of what I'm called to. So, so much of this is actually hasn't even happened. So much of the reality in here is a living reality in another dimension. So we have to live in the now, but we have to live in the future. What? Kingdom has come, it's coming. It's two parts. God is in time. He's outside of time. There is a purpose for the church that hasn't yet come. And that's what Hebrews 11 was was all about. I shared this last week. And it empowers my now. You see, the motivation, the revelation of the eternal brings the motivation to let go of me. Once again, I need something bigger in me to let go of me. That's why God dangles, not the right word actually, dangles, he talks about rewards. See, we get so bent out of shape about rewards. How can you have rewards? Because he's a loving father. And he puts these rewards and says, if you live like this, at the end of this life, there'll be a reward for you. He puts it in there to motivate a change of behavior. Is that okay with that? Are we okay with that? Here my, it's from love. God is a God of love. So he looks at our hearts. He knows if you're doing it for just the reward or for him. Yeah? So you can't fool him. But that doesn't mean we don't preach this stuff. That doesn't mean we don't preach the accuracy of what God uses to help motivate the church. Because he's a loving father. I've said this before. The more I'm becoming, becoming I am a father <laughs> to two physical beautiful girls. And as they grow, the more I'm understanding this, the more I'm seeing the connection between me and him. God gives us pictures to help us model this thing out. And so the greater the living reality, not the head knowledge, not the head knowledge that Christ is returning, the living reality that he's returning, not the head knowledge that I'm going to reign with Christ, the living reality that I'm going to reign with Christ. That's why Paul prayed, may the eyes of your hearts be enlightened to the knowledge of him. He saw it. Here's a man who's killing Christians, has an encounter with Holy Spirit, boom, 
now starts living a completely different life. Why? Because he experienced in that encounter the living reality of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ crucified. And the Bible says that it's the glory of God to conceal it. But it's the glory of a king to go looking for it. Talks about a picture of a man that goes digging who finds gold in a field. So then he sells everything he has and goes buys the field. Why? Because he's caught a living reality of truth that will set you free. And it's exciting. <laughs> and it's freeing to know that God has the ultimate expression for me. As Greg Simner, born in Liverpool, 1969, to Alan and Leon Simnor, lived in a, you know, grew up there, came here, that Greg Simnor and Danielle Simnor and Rolly Kay and Sandra Kay and Sandra and Chris Logan have been destined for the most, and we all have the most internal purposes of God. This God that lives forever, this God that speaks life out and goes woof, and it exists. <laughs> what an awesome present! To be a son, meaning male and female. And then he says, right, here it all is in front of you, the inheritance, this is it all at now. I've even bought and paid for it. There is no obstacle from you receiving this from me. No obstacle at all. I've given you my Holy Spirit as a deposit. Think about that. The Holy Spirit is given as a deposit for you to be able to arrive at the place we're called to. He empowers us, which enables us to walk this out. He then gives us his living word. Here you go, have that as well to help show you my nature, my character, my purposes, my plans that no eye has seen or ear has heard, who mind can conceive, but the spirit can. And now I've even given you my Holy Spirit to walk. And on the way, you're going to see this kingdom unfold in you and you're going to see it implode upon the earth for a period of time. Just think about this. How long are we here for? 85, 90 years. That's a speck when we think about how long eternity is. So why do we spend all of our time focusing on a speck when we have eternity contained in this book, which is wired to define us, to motivate us to live in the speck? And so it's awesome we talk about the now, Hear me, I'm all into now because the now counts and that's what we're going to look at. But we've got to speak about both and a living reality of that motivates the now. Now here's the thing, the only obstacle to this is you and me. <laughs> me. <laughs> that's right, thank you Michael Hewitson. Thank you for bringing me back in line. That's why they, I walk with these guys, they keep aligning me. <laughs> Isn't it? If God has made everything possible, he came down. He died on a cross. He said, it is finished. Testalistai. It is done. Okay. Now, change the way you think because this thing is right at hand. That's what the word repent fully means. Metanoia. Change the way you think. Literally the whole paradigm because my kingdom is at hand. So we're the ones that get in the way. Our thinking. That's why he says, deny you. 
Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Follow me. Choose my will over your will. Choose my will, my design, my purposes, how I say we live, over yours. I don't know about you, but that's not as easy as what that sounds. <laughs> Anyone found that? It sounds good in theory, eh? <laughs> sounds really good in theory, and we sing about it, and we dance about it, and we, you know, do the jig to it on a Saturday night and whatever, woohoo, until it confronts us. Until you put in a position where now the living truth has become your reality, and you're confronted with whether I'm going to make a choice. Will I make this choice that's standing right in front of me now to choose his will over my own? And that in a split second, in a moment in time, could possibly define a whole lifetime. It could possibly define greater sense of freedom. It could possibly define a greater understanding of God and his purposes and who you're becoming. By making the right choice in that moment. Now God in his incredible grace is so long suffering with his church. That no one's race is ever finished. Ever. He continually comes. He continually puts situations in front of us. He continually brings opportunities for the church to choose his will over our own. And you know who he uses the most? The very church itself. He says, can you love? Can you love? Can you be one? Can you live it out? I've given you my Holy Spirit. I've given you my word. Now can you appropriate it out? Not just talk about it, not just sing about it, but can you actually model it? And if you can, man, my glory is going to explode on the earth. My glory and my nature will come through the bride. My glory and my nature will explode. And a non-Christian and a Christian world would experience my presence and my manifested presence like nothing else. And we get glimpses of God. We get glimpses of what I believe he wants to pour out. We get little drops of it here and physical healings and I don't know, if you're at Bethel, maybe you see a bit of a dust cloud happening in the atmosphere, which is pretty cool. But, but I believe in what God wants to do in us and through us outweighs any of that stuff. They are all cool, but they are all external of me. I can see miracles. I can see dust clouds. We had in the 90s people getting gold tooth teeth and all that sort of stuff here. There was a move of God, which was awesome and cool. But you know what? So many people weren't changed by that internally. Still the same people living the same way with the same attitudes, struggling with the same stuff. Many are attracted to the works of Christ. Few were attracted to his nature and allowing his nature to be developed in them. It's both. I love the works of God. I love seeing people set free from all the stuff that they carry and seeing the lost come into salvation, it's the most amazing thing to be part of. 
But it's not the only thing. It's developing the nature of Christ, having the heart of Christ, loving like Christ, becoming the bride, being made ready. And that stuff happens as I make decisions and choices to let go of me. Because choosing his will is not just external things, is it? It's not just, okay, and these are cool. I'll use Johnny and Bex as an example, okay? Heard from God, they've gone to South Africa to fulfill what God has for them, which is awesome. But how many people know they can go to South Africa externally and not change internally? And so it's always both intertwined into one. Because Christ is our perfect picture of who we are to become. And when we're confronted with opportunities of an internal nature, how do we respond? How do we respond to those? Yeah, when we're offended, do we lash back or do we love? Every time that we're persecuted... Every time we get offended, every time someone annoys us, every time something happens the way we don't think it should, it's an opportunity for the kingdom of God to be developed in your heart. It's an opportunity for you to make a choice and to allow Christ to be formed in you. Listen to what Galatians 4, 19 says. My children, this is Paul, with whom I am again in labor, until Christ is formed in you. Wow. I thought it was just about going doing a whole lot of things. No, no. He wants to form himself in you. The message Bible puts it this way. I love this. Do you know how I feel right now? This is Paul. And will, and will feel until Christ's life becomes visible in your lives. What does it look like to have Christ's life visible in your life? That's a big question, eh? It's a question I'm asking myself more and more. That the kingdom of heaven, think about this, the culture of heaven lives in me. So not just the kingdom coming for signs and wonders, but the, the way heaven thinks. The way Christ thinks lives in my thinking. The way he loves is in my heart. The way he acts is in me. So I read a book about a man that when he was persecuted, he got up on a cross. He allows stuff to happen to him as a man. And then says, Father, forgive them for they haven't got a clue what they're doing. Do you reckon you could love like that? Why not? Not yet? On the process too? He's given you his word, given you his Holy Spirit. Christ was man on the earth. He didn't overcome the cross as God. He overcame as a man. We have to get this reality. He overcame as a man. If he overcame as God, then we cannot overcome anything. He's not a liar. 
He doesn't dangle a carrot in front of you and go, <laughs> like you can't have it. Ooh, where'd you going? It says in Revelation to those who overcome, they inherit things. See, I believe God is waiting for a church to live in the reality of the way he lived. He's waiting for a church to love as he loved. He's waiting for a church to to serve and to be generous like he was. And a world is just waiting for that as well. But it comes at the letting go of me. That's where the challenge sits. Because if you want to live as sons of God, we have to let go of self. I have to surrender my will and choose his. So Jesus gives you another picture in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, I'm going to pattern this so people can see me modeling it. I'm going to talk about a picture in Samuel, Saul and David. You're going to see in David's heart what I'm talking about. This kingdom approach manifested to a man that was trying to kill him. What does he do? Does he strike him back in the cave when he has the opportunity? No. He loves the man. Garden of Gethsemane. I've said this last week. I'll unpack it a bit. Jesus is in the garden. What's in the garden of Gethsemane? Olives, olive trees. It's surrounded by them. They're everywhere. See, this is a pro- prophetic picture for us. It's not just the fact that there's olive trees. Could have been apple trees. Could have been banana trees. Could have been big pineapple trees. Could have been any sort of tree, but it was an olive tree. Why? Why is it an olive tree? God does nothing by accident. What do you get? On olive trees. (laughs) Oil and olives all in the same thing. Well, that's that's pretty cool. You get olives, and out of olives you get oil. Do you know what the word Gethsemane means? Oil press. As the olive is pressed, oil is released. Oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, when what's Jesus doing? He's showing you his humanity being pressed, being crushed. What did it release to you and me? Life. Life. John 12, 24 says, unless a seed actually goes to the ground and dies, it cannot release life. Jesus' seed, his humanity, which rises its its head for a moment in time. Father, if you can take this off me, because I'm a man. I can't handle this. But you know what? You've given me your word. I've got your spirit. And I'm going to choose your will over my own in the most momentary time. Only he could have done that. I would have failed. I would have ran the other way out of the garden. Come on, guys, wake up. We're getting out of here. You muppets. (laughs) But no, what does he do? He chooses his father's will. He allows him his humanity to be crushed and it produces life that we all experience today because of him. Thank you, Lord. 
that you chose your father's will over your own, although it was already foretold 4,000 years ago. Meditate on this. He's with the father at the beginning of time. They're talking about it. This is what's going to happen, son. You're going to enter into time in 4,000 years and you're going to die a gruesome death, but it's going to release life. You will raise again and you'll be seated at my right hand with me and my church will be birthed on the earth. And it's all good at the start of time. Fast forward 4,000 years. In the garden, the moment in time when the decision has to be made. It was all good back there 4,000 years ago, but are you going to make it now? And he's saying the same thing to me and you. Are you going to make the decision now? It's easy to sing about it. It's easy to talk about it. It's easy to read about it. But when you're presented with it, will you make it now? And if you do, life will not only come to others, but in you. Freedom. I'm talking about real freedom, not Mel Gibson freedom on Braveheart. Real freedom. I'm free to live for him. I don't know how much more freedom there is, but I'm going for it. Kill me. Kill me. Kill me. More of you. More of you that I may be more like you. I can't do this on my own. The worst thing you could do is leave these doors and go, well, I'm now going to die. I'm going to kill myself. Not literally. You know what I mean? No. He must increase as he increases I decrease. As my focus goes off me and onto him, I will naturally start to increase with more of him. And as I seek him and ask for more of him, who's Greg Simner? That stuff he used to look at years ago, he doesn't look at it anymore. I've shared this before, you know, look, I've been married before, before I became Christian. and I don't even know who that person is anymore. That was like a good mate of mine that I knew. And God has set me free from the pain and some of that stuff. I look back and I go, I wasn't even married. You know, God restored that and led me to this beautiful lady. Even my donkiness, he circumnavigated that. And I love not following the notes. <laughs> Let's go to David and Saul in 1 Samuel 24. Saul is, he has a mission to kill David, hasn't he? He's jealous. He realizes that this young man is going to be the king. He's trying to hold on to something that he should have let go of a long, long time ago. And he goes to relieve himself, goes to the toilet in a cave. And there's David and his men in the cave. Picture yourself in this position. You're a man of war. You're a warrior. And your opposition, the man that's chasing you, who is on a pursuit to kill you, to take your life. Not only that, but to rob Israel of what Israel was to come into. Is right in front of you, exposed and very vulnerable and helpless. And you have at your beck and call your men and your own ability to kill. What would you do? 
if you let him go, he may come back and kill me. He could kill me next week. He could kill me next six months. I'm on the run. I'm, I've gone, I'm constantly on the run because this guy's on my back. God, I've got an opportunity to take him out right now. And the fear of him killing me would not be an issue anymore. But what does David choose? He chooses to let the man go. All he does is just nick a bit of his material just to let him know. He says, I will not touch God's anointed one before time. I'm not even going to go there. I will be, I would rather die physically, maybe, and model this kind of love than get self-vindication, self-preservation. It looks a bit like this. So I come back to my question. When people come and they offend, they persecute, they say things about you that aren't true, that you know aren't true. How does the church respond? Does it respond like this? Father, forgive them. Because this whole culture, this reality, I'm, I'm moving towards something that's so bigger than that. I'm moving to something that the inheritance that I can see is just unbelievable. In fact, if I dive into that, that might stop that from happening. If I start to get entangled in some of the stuff and allow this stuff to take root in my heart and bitterness to come and all these things, that's actually probably going to mess me up of going there. And so I can see that which empowers how I deal with the situation. Some of the questions that I was driving and just pondering this message that God gave me was, was this. Will I love the unlovable? Can I die to myself and love the unlovable? Now, the unlovable are not people that smell, who maybe live on the streets of Wellington. They're easy to love. The unlovable look like this. With their pride and their attitude and their arrogance and they're thinking they have it all down. And the unlovable can look like me and you. When that comes, can I love that? Can I, can I, these are the questions I was asking, can I love when it's undeserved? <laughs> these are big questions I'm asking myself. You know? But I'm, but I'm right. God damn it, I'm right. You know what God said? So was I. <laughs> I think if anyone was right, it was me, Greg. But how did I respond, Greg? Father, forgive them. What is it like when, you, when it's undeserved? Can I play the grace card? Can I actually, because you know what happens? You know what happens when you choose him in that situation? You release grace. You release grace and grace is formed in you. It's always a double whammy hit. You always receive for you and it gets extended to my brother, which then empowers him to go, hold on. My analogy of the guards last week. Place yourself once again in that situation. Of, were you here last? Did you hear my analogy last week? The guards arrived to arrest Jesus. 
uh, the Pharisee guards. And, uh, you know, he, <laughs> they're only doing their job. And uh, literally, they go, you know, Peter pulls off his sword, off with the ear. Jesus rebukes his own mate. He doesn't rebuke the Pharisees. He rebukes his mate, sticks the ear back on. Can you imagine being a guard looking at all this happening, looking at your mate whose ear's on the floor, then it gets put back on. Hold on a minute. I thought we were coming to take him out. And all he's done is love us. He told his mate off for striking you. Mate, that's what I would have done. I would have done that. So no, he doesn't tell us off. He, He tells his mate off. He sticks your ear back on. And then says, okay, well, let's go. You're a guard going, do you understand what just happened? Because we came to kill him. Don't know why we're killing him, but we're here. And he just offered something that I think could empower a change from non-Christian to Christian. From struggling with stuff to not struggling with stuff. Because grace gets offered, use your hand, and extended with love. Why? Because you choose his will over your own. Not only do you become free, but whoever you're offering it to has the opportunity to become free. And this is what David offers Saul. Now the sad thing is, did Saul pick up on that? So he says this, he says, he said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have dealt well with me while I have dealt wickedly with you. Now that's awesome in that moment in time, but as we know, Saul went on and tried, still tried to take him out. But that's not the point. The point is what David modeled that day. The point is what David was allowing to be birthed within him and then he modeled it out listen to what matthew 5 uh let me give you one last question and i've sort of said this but do i respond in love when i have been offended or falsely accused of something or do i look for vindication and even getting my own back have you ever had anyone tell you that you don't have any integrity Have you ever had anyone tell you that you're a liar? And then God asks you to pray for them and to love. Man, I need more of him if I'm going to do that than me. Because I know my own flesh. Sometimes it just wants to, (laughs) just once, God, (laughs) just once would be nice, it'd feel good. (laughs) But he goes, nah, it's a work formed in you. I'm forming me in you. So not only are you manifesting the external attributes, the power, the works of God. I tell you, he who believes in me will do greater things than I. But you are blessed of the poor in spirit, blessed of the meek, blessed of the merciful, blessed of those who persecute theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And you walk smack bang in the middle called the plumb line of those truths. 
and you see Christ in you being developed and formed. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, David is modeling a kind of righteousness in this passage. He's modeling a love. He's modeling a kingdom culture attributes in his heart. You think David is going to be in the kingdom, the millennial kingdom, reigning with Christ? Because of his righteousness, because of what he, how he's acting, how he's living, the decisions that he's making in that moment in time to let go of himself and to grab hold of a higher culture, a much higher uh, identity that releases life on the earth. See, listen to what Matthew 5.20 says. For I tell you, this is Jesus preaching to his disciples. I tell you that unless your, your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. These men, Pharisees, were on a pursuit of righteousness through the law. They were trying to live right by the law. It's not about living by a set of principles. It's about forfeiting your own life. Motivated by love. That releases this kingdom thing into the atmosphere over people. That they see and sense and feel. That creates a person's heart to want to change. To want to shift. See, Jesus was the man from heaven living on earth, but he really was still in heaven. I'm just going to confuse you big time. I'll see if I can explain this. Jesus is in Jerusalem with a man called Nicodemus. Yeah? John 3 3. John 3. But the culture of heaven is in him. So really, although he's physically now physically in the same place, one man has the, he's the God man, he has the kingdom of heaven in him. So really it's heaven on earth. And you have the man anchored and centered on earth together in the same place. And their conversation is hilarious. <laughs> it really is. If you want to see the kingdom, you must be born again. Yeah. And if you want to enter it, you must be born of water and spirit. Well, how does Nicodemus answer, uh, what, what does he ask? So he hears through the filter of earth. He's trying to understand the man from heaven, the culture of heaven, through the culture of earth. And he goes... How can a grown man go back into his mother's womb? That would be messy. That would be one C-section. <laughs> That'd be scary, wouldn't it? 
Well, some of the women that have big babies, you know, I was talking to a girl yesterday at the party, she had a 10, 11 pound baby. It was like, man, that's almost like a six month old. <laughs> Just get up and walk. <laughs> I made someone laugh. Now, imagine you're Nicodemus. What on earth is this dude talking about? And he's perceiving through a culture of earth the culture of heaven. But Jesus says, repent because the kingdom of heaven's at hand. Seek first my kingdom and add all these things. It's about the spirit, not the flesh. Can you hear what he's saying? And then he says, you are the teacher of Israel? Oh my giddy aunt, what's happened, father? You're the teacher? You're teaching the lambs and the sheep? And you don't get this core element? Why? Because the kingdom of heaven, the culture of heaven, is trying to have a conversation with the kingdom of earth, and Jesus doesn't even bother to even answer his question. Doesn't even go there. He just continues to speak in terms of the spirit and says, if you've got ears to hear and a heart to receive, you'll receive what I'm talking about. Because you'll be pursuing it. I've given you the keys of the kingdom. I've given you the Holy Spirit to understand the keys of the kingdom, to unlock these realities. But where are we today? And the more you let go of you and grab hold of him, that reality will start becoming more of your reality. And understanding things of the Spirit more than just trying to interpret them through the flesh. Because the spirit and the flesh will never get on. They're not a marriage made in heaven. Jesus says there must be a dying to this and a coming into this. And so if you want to walk more as a son of God, understanding the things of the spirit, a whole scripture says the sons of God are led by the spirit then there must be a letting go of you, a surrendering of you, a humility that must be there for that to happen firstly, and understanding that, you know what, I'm actually blinded to a greater reality of truth. So God, I've got this much truth right now, but I'm reading stuff in here that I really don't understand that, Mel. So I acknowledge that I'm blinded. I don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. I don't know it all. I don't know perfect theology because it's built on the revelation of the sun. So I acknowledge that I'm blinded to a measure. Okay, I've got that. Then out of that acknowledgement, God, break me down. Break some of my thinking down. Break me down. I need to let go of that. And as that is starting to be broken down, I then repent and I change the way I think about maybe certain things that I've heard or I'm hearing that I don't understand. And so God, I repent and I go, show me. I call to you like Jeremiah says, that if I call to you, you will show me great things that I do not yet know. If you go read Jeremiah 33, what's fascinating is where he is when he says that. He's in prison. Nothing like a big, good, a good bit of suffering and persecution to get you seeking God, eh? 
rejoice in suffering. These are the words of Paul. Why? Because you know, when you go through some stuff, you get a hunger in your heart that's not there when you don't. When things don't go quite well, I don't know about you, it drives me into his presence. And when that heart's screaming and that megaphone is screaming, it gets his attention and he comes. So rejoice in hard times. Rejoice in tribulation. You will have it. Rejoice in trial. It's an opportunity for you to come into freedom. You hear me today? It's an opportunity for you to experience more of God than you are today. Don't run from it. Run into it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whatever it takes, I don't care. I'm going in that fire. I'm walking in the fire. I counsel you to buy from me fire, refined through a process, gold, refined through a process. Walk into the tribulation. Walk into the trial. Whatever you're struggling with today, walk into it knowing he's beside you, around you, and go, you're going to show me things that I do not yet know. I'm going to find you, gold, and I'm going to come out of it smelling of you, not the fire. And I'm not staying in the fire either because you're leading me through the process. But I have to choose to let go of me and engage in the process. And you will come into freedom. Trust me. Guarantee me. It's truth. I've walked it. I've experienced it more and more every day. The letting go of me is the greater of him. And it is freedom for the church. And then you're free to love unconditionally. Then you're free to love people and see the best in people, not through your own filters and lenses. I can actually be an encourager because I'm not tied to position or titles or insecure about this. I'm free. And I want to empower everybody to get on with what God has to do in them. That my daughters will become the people that God wants them to become, not what dad wants them to become. If they want to be in the circus, go be in the circus. Be the best clown, Madeline, you could ever be. <laughs> Lily, be the best the X-Factor machine jumping off cliffs girl that you want to be. I think that's what we're going to get anyway. <laughs> I don't have this thing. They're going to be this. They're going to be a lawyer and a doctor because that's what I need them to be because, you know, I was it and whatever. No, I'm free to love and free to empower because he completes me. He is my center. He is my rock. Why? Because at some point I choose to let go of my will and it's consistent. It's not like once and that's it, is it? It's once and it's continuous. Why? Because he's preparing a bride. Jesus wants to see himself at the altar. And the Bible says it is a narrow pathway that very few choose to go down. Although everyone has the invite. Many are called. We've got to start getting this church. Many are invited. Few choose it. Your teaching just got too hard. I'm out of here, Jack. Disciples, still saved. But there is an inheritance. I'm, my spirit's going. There is an inheritance. It'll cost you. It'll cost you, you. But I'm telling you today, you will come alive. It is not negative. It is positive. This is a half gl a glass half full message, not a half empty one. If you think it's half empty, can I encourage you, change the way you think. This is a half full overflowing. He who loses his life will what? 
find his life. I'm just going to read John 12, and I paraphrased it, but listen to the words of this, and then I'm going to wrap this. Guys, if we can come, the musicians can come, that'd be awesome. Truly, truly, this is the words of Jesus in John 12, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Okay, so he's talking about himself. He's talking about his own going to the cross. But the principle applies to us. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. See, if you're consumed with you, you'll live for you. You'll see all the things that are, maybe are of him that you think aren't of him as running away from, but they're, they're run into. He who loves his life, they lose it. But in this world, he who hates his life will keep it. Once again, that's just a rewiring thing. That's not where, that, that doesn't mean we're to be miserable people on the earth. That's not like you can't have fun and you can't... No, no, don't, don't go down that pathway. That is just the flesh and the flesh's desires, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, all that stuff. Lose that and grab hold of the life that is right in front of you and become and it will become your living reality. If anyone serves me, listen to these, he must follow me. The birds, they have nests. The foxes, they've got holes. But me, I'm looking for a home. Everyone in the book of Hebrews were looking for a home that was centered in eternity. Although they arrived into places physically, they were looking at a home that was built by the hand of God that Revelation talks about. I am, sorry, so he must follow me and where I am, there my servants will be also. If anyone, now here, listen to this. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Wow. Now, once again, that is a promise. That is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of everything going, if you serve me, follow me, I will honor you. So he says, do you want to live this life? I was having a chat with a woman at the party last night. and She was a Christian lady. I said, where do you go? She said, I haven't been to a community like this for years. So I was just encouraging her why I'm part of this community. Not the fact that I have a position, but I love God's people. And I love getting together with God's people and walking this thing together. I can't do it on my own. I just love coming together and hearing God's word and allowing that change to happen then going and uh, we're having this incredible conversation and I was just encouraging her and you know I said you know she said you know so often thought Christianity has been boring it's boring getting together with 
doing this. And you know what? It can be. It actually can be. You can just be on this cycle of doing something that you don't even really know why you do it, but you do it because you're brought up with it, or you do it because you've got nothing else to do, or because you're supposed to. Can I tell you today, God does not want any of us existing because we're supposed to. He wants us doing and being because we love Him. I'm going to share at the healing service about Madeline's finger. For those of you who don't know, it got ripped off, got told that we had to chop her finger off. I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me and just prayed and said to the doctors, they put it back on. She has her finger. How can that be boring? How can that be boring? I think if it's boring, it's a reflection of what God's doing in us or not. And at the letting go. See, this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where it's a make or break. At the letting go of me, I'll find life and I'll find freedom. I'll come into a reality that I wasn't in here. In those moments that it's presented right in front of me, will I choose His will over my own? And I guarantee you today, the change will happen right here. And it will continue to happen right here. And as that happens more and more, we become the living word. We become water. We become a resource. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Let me read. This is just Revelation, and that's it. I knew my message wasn't complete, and Chris, I keep that going, that's good. Chris, um, Chris read this out in prayer. Revelation 21, 6. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. Can I encourage you this week to go to Revelations 2 and 3? Read it. Read it. Read it. Read it. Ask God to speak. Ask God to speak. Ask God to speak. Then go back and read it. And read it. Write and write. And read it. Ask questions and write. Be someone who marinates. Marinates in this. Be someone that just comes once a week. Be someone that hears 